Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great day. We really do appreciate you being here. We are back for part two of this series that uh, I'm really excited about. This was a, this is a lot of fun. Now, uh, as you may recall, you may have heard uh, the first part of this series several months ago. We released that. We'd actually recorded several parts, uh, released the first episode, uh, and then we, we put it on pause. We're going to come back and tell you why, so hang tight with us on that. Uh, but there's been a lot that has happened that we are going to uh, update you on in the, uh, the coming parts of the series. But uh, for the next seven weeks, we are going to be releasing the rest of this series. So it's going to be a total of an eight-part series. Uh, we definitely want you to listen to the whole thing because uh, there's some, uh, it's just a, it's a fascinating story. Uh, the journey that, that we go through here uh, is one that I think a lot of people can learn from and uh, grow from in their speaking business and in life. So uh, here's what we're going to do. This is again, part two of this series. And if you haven't listened to part one, you definitely want to go back and do it. But let me give you some more context just to kind of refresh you. We had someone on our team who does a lot of writing for us. He's been working with us for a couple of years. He said, hey, I'm, I'm interested in doing more speaking engagements. And I'm kind of wondering, does what we teach actually work? I was like, that's a fair question. That's a valid question. And so, uh, so we walked with him through the process and did a lot of coaching uh, over the course of several months and recorded these coaching calls. And that's what you're going to be hearing in this series is you're going to be hearing uh, someone who is going, I think I can do this, but I, I see these success stories, but I'm wondering, can it work for me? And we know that a lot of you who may be listening may be in that same spot. You listen to the podcast, you watch the YouTube videos, you're in the Facebook group, you've read the speaker, the successful speaker book. You, you, you are following along with all these things. And you're just going like, yeah, but does it work for me? And so, uh, Brian Elaine is exactly, uh, that same person who's going, I want to be a speaker. I want to do more speaking, but I just want to know, does this actually work for me? Uh, and so on each part of this series, we are going to give him homework. We're going to let you listen in. We have done nothing to set this up in any way. There were several times where he would, uh, he'd message me and say, Hey, what about this? What about this? I was like, no, 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 no. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to set anything up. Uh, I want to make sure that this is as authentic and genuine as possible. I do not want to tip the scales in any way. Uh, and so I want, uh, if he's successful, if he's not successful, I want to make sure that this is accurate and realistic for what people are going to be listening to. So again, we released uh, episode one a while back. You definitely want to go back and listen to that one. Uh, and then this is going to be part two of this eight-part series uh, about helping Brian get that first paid speaking engagement. Now, if you are listening along going, man, I would love to work with Grant and, and the Speaker Lab team 
uh, to help me find and book paid speaking engagements to help me uh, build a speaking business, to build a system, a repeatable system and process, uh, then I would love to have a conversation with you. I would encourage you to go to thespeakerlab.com slash apply. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash apply. There you can schedule a call, a one-on-one call with our team. Uh, we would love to visit with you, hear more about what you're looking to do, what your goals are for speaking and how we can best serve and support you in that process. So again, uh, if what you hear today is what you want to be a part of, you can go to thespeakerlab.com slash apply. All right, let's get right into it. Part two with Brian Elaine. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. All right, we are back for part two with Brian Elaine here. Okay, now listen, one of the things we talked about last time is we were not going to do all this prep work behind the scenes and whatever we needed to do to ensure success. We wanted this to be as real and raw and authentic as possible. We literally just got on this, this call a minute ago and yep. I said, I don't want you to tell me anything. I just want to start recording and I want to jump into it. Now, you sent me some notes from homework about an hour ago. I just printed it out here of a couple different audiences. So we're going to spend some time walking through it. Before we get into all of that, talk to me. So we, um, uh, people may be listening to this at different times, but the last time we recorded, it was about a week ago. So talk to us in the past week, what, what has happened and what's been the process for you? Well, you gave me the homework of trying to identify a few audiences I might be able to speak to, what problem I could potentially help them solve. Also, you asked me to try to identify a few people who might already be on that path. So that's what I did. I've been working on that homework all week. I will say a couple things. Number one, at any point during this past week, there was a different kind of favorite in terms of, oh, I think I'm going to end up on this one. And then like eight hours later, it was like, oh, no, no, why, why would I ever have thought that? Like this one okay. clearly is the one. So that's been going on pretty much all week. And that kind of gets back to my original problem of being paralyzed by too many options, being afraid to start, thinking yeah. it's going to be the wrong thing. So that has been playing out all week, which is why I couldn't wait for this call, but also am a little scared of this call because I, my brain, it feels like my brain is knowing that a decision is getting closer and closer and it, yeah. there's a part of it that doesn't like it. So yeah. I'm scared, but I'm excited. All right. I love it. I love it. Okay. And in the past week, have we talked at all or uh, done anything to prepare for this moment, for this call? No, li literally nothing. The only thing was like a day after our call, you gave me that additional piece of homework of, oh, hey, by the way, find some other speakers that are doing the things that you might want to do. And that was it. So we're cool. coming in fresh here. All right. So part, and part of the reason, because um, we didn't have a chance to talk about that last time, part of the reason I wanted you to do that is I think um, it's helpful to look for other speakers who are doing something similar to prove that this is a thing that is uh, viable within the market, right? Because um, just because you're interested in talking about a subject or just because you're interested in talking to a certain audience doesn't necessarily mean that there's opportunities that exist. And so what we want to do in, in this little uh, additional homework assignment is look for other speakers who are doing something similar to what we want to do and doing it um, in a way that we want to do it and are close to where we are in terms of our career. Meaning if you said, um, 
um, you know, I want to be a motivational speaker. So let's go see what Tony Robbins is up to. That's probably not a good a, a example because he's just playing in a different league. But if you said, Hey, I want to be a motivational speaker. Awesome. Okay. Now let's look for speakers who are uh, a year, two, three years ahead of us, perhaps not someone who's like, Hey, uh, this here's some, you know, 30, 40, $50,000 speaker, but someone who is maybe closer to where I'm at. So it feels more realistic that, okay, there's opportunities here. I can actually do this. What you, what you, part of the, part of that exercise, part of the point of that exercise is let's say you start searching and you can't find anybody. Here's this idea. Here's this niche. Here's this market. I can't find any speakers doing this. I'm going to be the first. That is not what we're going for here. So we want to find like, okay, good. There's, there are existing speakers here, which is a good thing. That means there is some type of market, right? Um, yeah. And so that's kind of what we, we were going for uh, in this process. So I'm curious, um, uh, you went from, I would like to be a speaker to now I have in front of me five different options or scenarios that you kind of came up with. Do you feel like even though it's overwhelming, you're scared about ultimately making a decision and kind of picking a path, do you feel like, all right, I'm getting at least some sense of clarity because I went from, I want to be a speaker, um, big, 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 big picture to here's five possible scenarios of what that could actually look like. I do. Yes. That was deep. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, yeah. Like I, well, I don't want to, I know we're going to go through these all. Uh, I don't, I will say, I don't feel like there were any surprises. I don't yep. feel like anything jumped out at me and it was like, I never thought of that before. Yeah. Most of these I had been thinking about a little bit uh, over the past couple of years. One of these I didn't actually have on my list until I was talking with my wife a few days ago. And she said, is this on your list? And I said, uh, no, I didn't actually have it on my list. She said, I think that should be on your list. And I actually think that should be the thing you should do. So it's like, really? okay, so that is one of the five things on my list. How, um, uh, was there anybody else that you talked to as you went through the process or was it easier or more difficult than you anticipated? Um, what did your wife say when she chimed in? What, like, what was the, any other thoughts behind the process of, of what the past week has been like? Um, I did talk to a few other people, a couple other friends, um, and those were mostly just organic conversations where they were asking what's going on in your life. Yeah, and yeah. I mentioned that we were doing this and talked about some of the different options. So, um, yeah, I did get a few interesting pieces of feedback during that one friend pushed me in a certain direction. Another friend, when I brought up one of the things I thought might be the front runner, I didn't get the enthusiastic response that I thought maybe I'd get. Um, now I might've been reading into that, but, or maybe not. So those things weighed a little bit into it as I was putting this together. Okay. What did, um, uh, so the, the, the missus had some thoughts of, Hey, I think this one would be best for you. Did that change anything for you? Of course. Of yeah. course. Yeah. When, uh, the person who knows you the best, uh, Side note, we just celebrated our 20th anniversary yesterday. Congratulations. Uh, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, when the person that knows you the best says something, it definitely carries a lot of weight. Um, so yeah, that definitely definitely played into it big time. All right, let's get into it. So you, uh, again, you made a list here of five different options. Um, and basically what, what we're looking at um, is you made a list of, we'll tell you what, once you kind of break down the format of just um, in general of what you, what you did here. Okay. So for each one of these audiences, I tried to identify the audience, 
try to identify one or a couple of problems that I could help this audience solve. Then I had a why me section, uh, which kind of highlighted why I might be the person for this. I did try to list a few other speakers doing this exact thing. Also tried to list conferences or places where these people meet. Okay. Um, I had grand uh, aspirations for this section. And I think as I went through it, I kind of petered out um, just trying to look for specific things. But I do have examples for each of these. And then the last thing I did, and I think I kind of went off script a little bit here, is that I tried to list potentially like other business opportunities kind of off the stage that might come through uh, if I were to choose this audience. So that, that's what my homework entailed. Cool. I like that. Um, okay. And so as you, were, as you were searching for speakers in general, not for any one of these in particular, but as you were searching for speakers, how easy or difficult was that? Um, for some of them, it was easy. Uh, and, but well, I will say I tried to come up with three speakers and if, if the homework would have been to come up with 10 speakers, I feel like it would have been very challenging. Um, but for most of these, I was able to find a couple people, but I don't know if anybody out there has ever like Googled speakers or events or conferences, like very quickly you find that there's a lot of people fighting for a piece of that SEO pie and yeah. it's very easy to become overwhelmed. And, I'm guessing that's a big part of what your business does is, is help people to separate the signal from the noise because you, I feel like you could easily put in hours of searching and feel like most of it was a waste of time. So it was harder than I thought it would be, but I do feel like I came up with people for each audience. What about on the next section there of where do, where do these people meet? Just looking for potential events where it would be a fit. Um, were there some that were easier than others? Yeah, and it was a similar thing with just like, did not feel like sifting through 20 pages of Google search results. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, my first one that I have on here, uh, which is golf course owners, golf course industry professionals, I know we'll, we'll get into this list here in a second. That one, I wasn't able to find, I found a few right off the bat that I could add to the list. And then the more I dug, the more I realized, oh, there's probably like way more conferences and events than I realized because yeah. you got regional, you got state level. Um, so that was kind of um, opened my eyes to the fact that there are way more events out there than I realized. But like, if you would actually task me with, I want you to list 100 specific conferences and when their dates are, like that would have been extremely overwhelming. So yeah. I just kind of put like, oh, regional events, state events. I know they're out there. I did not put the time in to find them all, but it was a little bit eye-opening in that regard. Do you feel like, uh, one of the things I've noticed is that whenever you, uh, it's almost like pulling on a thread, like you start to pull on the thread and it's just like, it opens Pandora's box to like all these other things like, oh, I didn't even think of that, but yeah, that would be a potential good fit for me. Did you find that to be the case at all? Absolutely. Even when I was searching for speakers in a certain area, you know, I'd get on that speaker's website, he would have the, the logos of five events that he's spoken at. And I'm like, Oh, what's this? Oh, I never heard of that before. Oh, what's right. this? And you exactly. go to their website, you find their event, then you find their speakers, and that can lead you to their speaker website. And it's yeah, definitely rabbit trail after rabbit trail after rabbit trail. But it can be like if done if done well and done right, then it can be extremely um, effective because it can be a lot of, of uh, it can be very eye opening. So at this point, what we're what we've done is a lot of a lot of just market research. And so your biggest investment thus far has just been time. 
right? Mm-hmm. And it's just been time. It's been having conversations. It's been spending time on Google. It's been kind of thinking and processing. How much time would you say in the past week um, to get to this point have you put into this? Uh, I'd probably say about six hours. Okay, cool. And so the bulk of that sounds like most of it was just spent on, on Google uh, and typing this up. Yep, definitely. Okay. Okay, let's get into it. So again, you made a list of uh, five different options here, five different audiences, what the problem would be that you'd solve, why you, other speakers who are doing something similar, uh, where these people meet and other potential business opportunities um, that could evolve from focusing on that. So why don't we just go high level through those five audiences? Um, uh, why don't you give us who the audience is and what you think that the problem is that you could solve um, and maybe why you think you could be a, a fit for that? Okay. So my first audience was golf course. Quick, are, the, are these in any particular order? Or are these they're, just kind of? They're not. Okay. They are right. true, true random order here. Okay, fair enough. Uh, All right. So audience number one is golf course owners and golf industry professionals. Uh, the problem that I feel like I can help them solve really revolves around marketing. Where do we spend our marketing efforts and dollars in this new media marketplace? How do we make golf appealing to the next generation? Things that I know a lot of golf courses and golf professionals are struggling with. The reason why I think I might be a good fit for this is that um, over the last five to seven years in my freelancing, I've done a lot of media marketing, email management, social media stuff. And specifically the last two years, I have worked with one of my local golf clubs on their marketing efforts. So uh, I have a little bit of experience in that. Also, you know, my son is 16 years old. He's just getting into the game of golf over the past year. And so I feel like that gives me an, another interesting perspective into um, what people, what millennials are looking for when it comes to golf. Okay. So I want to point out one thing on this um, is part of what we're looking for here when we're doing this exercise of looking for different audiences and looking for the problem that you can help solve is you're, we're looking for low hanging fruit. Like what are industries, what are groups, what are um, a potential audiences that you already know something about? You're not only just an active golfer. It's one thing to be like, I enjoy playing golf and I watch it from time to time and that's the extent of it. But you, are, you handle social media for your local club. Uh, you've been actively involved in that. Uh, you have a lot of, you run a golfing podcast, you have connections in that industry. Um, so you already have some, some people that you could be talking to, uh, of, Hey, what, what are the things, um, you and I were talking, uh, a month or so ago or a couple weeks ago about golf balls. And there's one manufacturer that you mentioned, like, Hey, here's this, this guy that I talked to. I'd be curious to, to talk to him. Like, what events is he going to? What are the associations, the trade shows, the things that are just natural parts? So all that to say, in that world, it's more than just like, hey, I kind of like this. Golf is fun. Um, but like you, you have some contacts there. You have some connections there. You have some work experience there that would provide valuable in this type of context. Does that make sense? Yes, that totally makes sense. Uh, and also, it's not just that I like golf. I love golf. Like it is, it is my jam. It is my, really my only hobby. Um, so for as much as passion should be a part of this, like for sure. And anybody in my life would tell you golf is really my biggest passion. Right. And we'll, I definitely want to come back to that. Um, because passion is a huge part of it because there's, there are, um, on paper, I would think, I wonder how many opportunities there are for speaking if I just focus on the golf industry. Right. Um, but also realizing that, um, if you're deeply passionate about the audience and the topic and the problem that you're solving, it's going to push you a lot further to do the work versus like, 
all right, maybe there's more opportunities over there and I could potentially even charge more over there, but I don't really care that much about the topic or the whatever it may be. Um, the other thing to remember too, and we touched on this a little bit on, on our last call, is that we're not picking a, not making a permanent decision. Meaning that I'll give you an example. There's a speaker that we worked with who comes from the restaurant industry and all of his experience and professional experience was in the restaurant industry. And so he's like, I, I don't want to speak in the restaurant industry forever and ever and ever, but it's a world I already know. So it's a good place for me to start. And mm -hmm. so he started there and that has expanded to a variety of different industries today. But he started with, here's some low hanging fruit. How do we set ourselves up for success with uh, a market that we already know that we're familiar with and that to some degree we have an unfair advantage with? So um, to me, like just initial reaction would be like, that seems like that could definitely be a win for you with, with golf course owners and industry professionals. Because the other thing too that you mentioned in terms of the problem that they're solving, is, that you're solving is uh, they're trying to to book tea times. They're trying to collect greens fees and fill up the course as best as possible. And so if you're able to help them do that and walk them through how to do that, um, Hey, I, I can, I can help increase your, um, your, your, uh, tea time bookings by 20% in the next, you know, six months, any golf course owner is going to be like, you have my attention. I, yes. I need to know how to do this, you know? And if you have, especially if you have the track record of saying, Hey, here's what I've done with my local club and here's the results that they've had, um, that are quantifiable and trackable back to you. Like that's a huge, huge deal, you know? Um, yeah, so there's, there's definitely something there. Yeah. And I think too, the last thing on, on my list there is kind of other business opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I think, as you establish yourself in an expert in any field and become a speaker, I'm sure there are opportunities for coaching or consulting or other work kind of come hand in hand with that to some degree. I think this audience would have maybe the biggest potential for that um, in terms of if I did want to have other golf clubs, other organizations um, kind of that in my, in my clientele for doing social media work or email marketing, mm -hmm. I think it would probably be a big piece of that. Okay. And so let, just to piggyback on that, again, this comes back to one of the things we touched on on the last call is that determining from the beginning of, and again, this is, can kind of evolve and change, but determining what is your goal with all of this. So if you said, I don't want to do consulting, I don't want to do coaching, I don't want to do any type of client service work, all I want to do is speak. That's going to inform some of the, of the direction that we go here versus if you said, I would like to speak a few times, but I, what I really love is I really love consulting and I really want to use speaking as a means to pick up additional client work for this other business that I have here. Well, that changes the equation, right? Of what, of what it is that you're looking for. Uh, and so having that as like a framework and a context, like really kind of, again, it simplifies things because it's like, cool. Are there, which, which market, uh, if I, if I just want to be a speaker, um, then which market has more opportunities for me potentially, right? Or um, if I just want to be a speaker, are there enough opportunities in this particular market to justify going that direction? Um, so again, the more clear you are, the easier it is to at least make a decision to, to be able to move forward on. Okay. Feel good? Feels good. All right, man. What do you got next? All right. Second audience was entrepreneurs looking to start a side hustle or potentially change careers. Okay. Um, I wish I could have narrowed that down a little bit more, but that's as far as I got in terms of a niche. Uh, the problem that I could see myself helping them solve is kind of helping them identify their priorities, uh, declaring what their dreams are and helping them determine the steps to make them happen. And why me is because 
that's the path that I've been on. I left a six-figure job in the pharmaceutical industry seven years ago to do that very thing. I've been you know, a freelancer for the last seven years. I've tried a lot of things. Most of the things have failed. Some of the things have not. And I am continuing on that journey. And I feel like um, I know what it takes and I could help people kind of follow in my footsteps. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Any additional thoughts just overall on that one? Um, no, I say, I think this is one of the, um, more vague audiences that I had and didn't feel as I leaned into this one, didn't feel great about it. It felt, okay. just felt too nebulous a little bit. So do you feel, have you felt like, um, cause again, again, we're just two out of five into this, but first one felt very specific. Felt yes. Pretty concrete and clear of like, all right, I know where those people are. I know where those people gather. I know who to contact. I know what to do next. Um, this, I would agree, does feel a little bit nebulous and kind of, um, they, I know they're out there, but I'm not really sure what I'm, I'm looking for. So do you feel like the, the, um, the narrowness, the focus helps to bring some clarity to it of just like, oh, this feels a lot more clear than this one, just based on, um, I had a hard time even just defining what this is. Yeah. And, and I didn't really list any specific conferences for this. Um, I would just kind of as a cop out, just put conferences for artists, freelancers, and entrepreneurs, how, how much trouble would I have actually finding those? I don't know. Um, and the other thing I'd say about this one is that that internal, um, kind of fraud, you're a fraud thing that happens inside some of us. Um, you know, I think we all have that to varying degrees. Um, and I know that a lot of the times that's kind of a lie, but it was the highest on this one for me. This was, oh, you know, maybe if you had made seven figures the last couple of years as a freelancer, you could be an expert, but not all of your years have been good. You've had some bad years too. So who, who do you think you are to speak to people about freelancing? So, uh, I don't know if that's important or not, but I definitely felt that those feelings rising up a little bit with this audience. Now, one of the things too, uh, and so let's, let's take that, we'll take that rabbit trail for a second is as you're going through any of these, it may be possible to think, especially as you're looking up, you know, potential conferences or as you're looking up other speakers, like, whoa, 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 this person is way more qualified than I am. You know, they have, um, you know, they, they've accomplished all these things or they've checked all these boxes or their resume looks much prettier or shinier than me. And so therefore, who do I think I am to be a speaker or to talk to this audience on this thing? And so one thing to remember here is that um, being an expert means that you know slightly more than the audience about a certain subject or topic. Hmm. doesn't mean that you're the world's greatest expert on that. So the example I always give is like, I know nothing about cars. I am completely clueless when it comes to cars. So when I take my car to the local mechanic to get an oil change, whoever's working on my car, to me, like that person's the expert. Are they the world's greatest expert on cars? No, I know that. They know that. But I'm not looking for the world's greatest expert. I'm looking for this one person that can help me change my oil who knows slightly more about cars than I do, right? (laughs) I come to you and I say, Brian, you seem to know a lot about golf. Uh, can you help me? Can you give me some recommendations on my swing or what ball to use or what simulator to get or what clubs I need? Brian, can you give me some tips? Do you feel like you're the world's greatest expert on golf? No. Nope. But really, your opinion of yourself in this scenario means nothing because it's really more in the eye of the beholder. I am, this, I am someone who's going, Brian golfs a lot. He seems to know what he's doing. He shoots good scores. I would like to do that too. How do I do that? 
you're not the world's greatest golfer. We both know that. There's plenty of people that know more about it. There's plenty of people that you look to that you're like, oh, if you want help on this, this is who you actually need to be listening to. But I don't know those people and I'm not connected with those people and I'm not looking to those people. I'm looking to you. So the same thing is true uh, with any of these things. You don't have to be the world's greatest expert on it. The other thing too I would say is sometimes we, we go way up the food chain of some, uh, like who is the greatest at it, right? So if we, let's take the golf analogy for a second. If, if, if you were like, um, if I said, Brian, I'm trying to get better on my swing. Can I get some tips from you? And you're like, well, I mean, I'm, a, I'm, I'm decent at golf. You really should talk to Tiger. Tiger knows what he's doing. He's won a few tournaments and, and he's, he's decent at golf. You should be talking to him. Tiger's not accessible and Tiger's not relatable to me, right? Um, so what I'm looking for is again, here's a guy who's a step or two ahead of me, not light years ahead of me, you know? So the same thing is true. Like, uh, let's take this example of entrepreneurs looking to start a side hustle or change careers. And it's cool to hear the stories of like, well, like, you know, dropped out of college and I started this business and then we sold it to Google and now I'm a, b- a bajillionaire. It's like, that's cool, but that's also not super relatable, mm-hmm. you know, cause that's not going to happen for most people. But if I could figure out how to, um, go from side hustle to making my first $10,000 or $50,000 or $100,000 in a year, that's pretty relatable, right? And all of a sudden that feels a lot more achievable than, you know, I, I got to hear, I was at a conference uh, earlier this year and Richard Branson spoke. Really cool to hear Richard Branson speak. Nobody in that room most likely is going to accomplish what Richard Branson has accomplished or yeah. very few. So it's really cool. It's inspiring. It's not necessarily relatable of, here he is jet setting around his private Island. You know, uh, it's like, that's cool, but that, that's not, that's not where I'm at, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's something that to, to factor in and consider as well is that you, you don't have to be the world's expert. Nobody is expecting you to be. Okay. Yeah. That's very Makes helpful. Sense. Yeah. Very helpful. I like cool. that. Okay. What's the, uh, the third audience? Okay. The third audience that I pinpointed was Christian men under 40. Um, I, I am a Christian and also a man. And, um, but I figured if I just put Christian, if I just put Christians, way too vague. If I put Christian men, maybe still way too vague. So um, as I thought about, okay, this is a potential audience I've spoken a little bit to before. How could I pinpoint it? Uh, I started to, and what problem can I solve? I, I solve. I started to think about um, kind of the idea of a midlife crisis and how many guys experience that in their 40s or 50s. I being 42 years old. Uh, I feel like the 30s was the best decade of my life. And already I feel like my 40s are even better. So I was thinking about this idea of like a midlife celebration versus a midlife crisis and how do you get there? And so that was kind of the the problem that I thought to solve. Like if I could speak to Christian men under 40 and talk to them, not just about their faith, but about other aspects of their life, how could you set up your life so that in your 40s, in your 50s, you're, you're celebrating your midlife versus having some type of crisis. Cool. Um, yeah, so that was, that was the audience and the problem idea behind that. Uh, how easy or difficult was this for you? And how does this define or think through this one? And how does this one resonate with you versus the other two you've mentioned? Um, I feel like the faith aspects aspect of it complicates it a little bit just because almost kind of a same, the same lines of doubt, like, Oh, you know, you're going to, are you somebody, you're not a pastor. Like, are you somebody that could engage with faith audiences? Um, I do feel like this is the one that maybe I have the most existing connections and network. Um, I'm a part of the leadership team of my local church and my pastor has some good connections and I know he'd be willing to help out there. 
Mm -hmm. I've spoken at a few faith-based conferences in the past and definitely have some connections in that world that I could pursue. So that kind of was in the the pros column for this one. Okay. Um, And I know that most local churches have marriage conferences or men's conferences uh, and youth groups and youth camps and things like that. So I feel like uh, as you drill down locally, there are just thousands upon thousands of potential conferences and, and gatherings out there. Totally. Yeah, there's no shortage of, uh, of events in the, the faith-based space. Now, part of the challenge is obviously it can be also competitive, but it can also, um, uh, fees can typically be a little bit lower, um, yeah. which again, pros and cons to it. There's a lot of opportunities, but it also may be uh, on the lower fee side. I wouldn't use that as a basis to say yay or nay. Um, because again, like we talked about, I would, uh, I think anyone would rather, um, or I'd highly advise, I'd rather you make less, but love what you're doing and who you're speaking to than make, man, I'm making a bunch of money, but I hate my life. I hate what I'm talking about. I hate the audiences I'm speaking to. Like that's a crappy way to run a business. So, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't recommend that. Um, okay. Any other, anything else there on that one? No, I would, uh, maybe the last thing I'd say is that while I feel like I would have a message and definitely have things I could share to those people, I wouldn't describe it as like this, this burden or this burning passion to -hmm. do it. Um, and I feel like some people in that space might say like, well, if you don't have a burning passion for this, like this might not be the area for you. Like, don't look at this as a business opportunity whether that or not that's true, I don't know, but that definitely came into my mind. Yeah. So, and this is, um, there's a lot of people in our audience who, uh, come from either a faith background, um, or are in some form of, of church ministry currently and have some speaking experience and are trying to pursue that. Uh, a lot of people are familiar with my personal story that I had gone to Bible college. I was a youth pastor, um, have a lot of, uh, experience in, uh, the, the faith-based world. Um, and so the, there is kind of that, that challenge there of you are, um, you're doing something uh, out of the goodness of your heart because you are, you're passionate about this thing and it, it's, it's, a, it's a key part of your life and, and, and faith is, um, is all within that. But you're also running a business. And so uh, I remember several years ago, uh, a speaker reaching out to me and he said, Hey, I am, I'm speaking in the, uh, like youth ministry space. I'm doing a lot of camps and retreats and yada, yada. And he had done like 50 some events, uh, the year before, and he'd made $13,000. Wow. And, uh, he was like, dude, I'm, I'm like, that's poverty level. Like you, you can't, you can't survive off of that. So it's the type of thing where, um, Yes, there's nothing wrong with like, okay, I believe in this, I support this, but at the same time, I'm running a business and so I have and I have to I have to eat and live indoors and I know mm-hmm. that I I can't help everybody, right? Um and so just recognizing that, you know, we can get into that more if, if that's a, if this is a path that you end up deciding that you want to go down. Um but just something to be aware of of like, yeah, you can help a lot of people in the same way that like we as a speaker lab um uh, my, myself, several of our team members come from a faith-based perspective. We want to help people, but make no mistake, we're still running a business. And so mm-hmm. if we help everyone and we are drowning in the process, we're doing it wrong. And so, um, which means there's times where there's times where people will email in, here's my life story. Um, I, 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 um, I'm broke. Can you please help me? And you know, I would, that we provide a lot of free resources like this right now that you can listen to and tune into. Um, 
that make it available. But, um, we also, again, we're running a business and so we have to be aware of that, you know? Um, yep. so it can feel, I, don't, I totally get it. It can feel, it can feel murky and muddy when you're mis- when you're mixing, um, uh, like a faith based, um, perspective with, uh, business, entrepreneurship, finances, all of that stuff. Um, but at the same time you're running a business and so you have to treat yeah. it as such, right? All right. Um, anything else there? Nope. I think that's it for that one. All right. Next, next audience. Okay. Audience number four. Uh, gosh, this is maybe the most vague of all. I just have writers. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, why me? Because I am a writer. I've self-published four books over the last decade. I, I just recently wrote my first novel, which I'm shopping and trying to get an agent for. Um, and I've done a lot of freelance writing for authors and publishers. Basically that's kind of how I've made my living mm-hmm. over the last seven years. So that's why I mean, in terms of a problem to help solve, uh, this was a little murky too, but just what I wrote was how to trust your voice, how to write risky and, and write more words than you ever have before. Um, yeah, you know, this one, I gotta be honest, this is probably the one I feel the least great about. It was just kind of like, well, who am I? What am I good at? What do I do? Let's make that an audience. I do believe there are plenty of writing workshops and conferences out there, and I'm sure authors and writers get invited to things that aren't just specifically for writers. Um, but yeah, I knew okay, that- but to jump in on that, do yeah. you, there's a difference between I am deeply passionate about this audience and I care about helping them solve this problem, but I just, I, I have the own um, inner critic who's questioning whether or not I'm good enough to do this or why me? Is it more of that or is it more of, um, I'm wondering if I can do this, but also, I'm not deeply passionate about this audience because those are two different things. You know what I mean? Yes. And I think it's, if I'm honest, it's probably more of the latter. It's okay. It's probably more of not really having that burning passion. Good. It's good. It's good to know that. Right. <laughs> Cause again, th- this is, um, so someone listening may be going, well, if it's not a burning passion, why did it make the list? You know, but it's good to like get these things out. You know, here's something I have some experience with and I need to stew on it and sit with it for a minute. And you know, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I, I don't know that there's anything there. I do it and it's okay and it's fine. But I, if it, if I was given a choice between this or any of the other options, eh, that's good. Like you want to, part of the point of this is process of elimination of figuring out what, what's going to make the most sense. So, yeah. um, Okay, cool. So writers is the fourth one. So we've got, uh, let's, let's recap where we're at here. We've got golf course owners and golf, co- or golf industry professionals, uh, entrepreneurs looking to start a, a side hustle, change careers, Christian men under 40, uh, and then writers. Cool. Anything else on the writers? No, I think that's it for that one. Okay, let's go to the last one. That brings us to the last one, which this is the one that was not on my list until uh, my wife, Erica, told me I should put it on. Okay. Uh, and this is the idea of hosting and emceeing events, which um, I didn't even know if you'd let me put this on the list because it's not really identifying an audience so much uh, as identifying a problem. And that is that audiences want to have a good time at conferences and uh, event planners and conference organizers want their events to go off well. And, you know, as a conference host, as an MC you are serving both of those customers, hopefully, and giving them both good experiences. Uh, in terms of why me, this is something that I have done before. I have a little bit of experience doing it. I've hosted numerous men's conferences and marriage events at our church. 
Um, I got hired by an author to do a book release party one time. I've done a local John Maxwell uh, kind of teleconference gig where they had a couple hundred people out to watch some videos. I hosted that for a friend. Uh, I've also been hired by um, other comedians to help them write jokes for monologues and for little bits that they do as conference hosts. Um, and also, uh, good buddies of mine, Trip Crosby and Tyler Stanton, uh, they have a lot of experience hosting and they hosted the Catalyst Leadership Conference down in Atlanta for five or six years. And I was down there with them backstage the entire event, um, seeing how everything worked, helping them tweak and write jokes. So I've definitely been on, been on the backside of that and seen kind of what that looks like backstage. So, and I, I like it. And the reason my wife told me to put it on the list is because she said, I know you like this and you're good at it. Like you're good on your feet. You, you're quick witted. Um, you know, you're not afraid to try to be funny in front of people. You've done comedy before, stand up comedy before. So the more I thought about it, it was like, yes, this is, I, I do actually really like doing this. Uh, but I didn't know too much about it. Not really. It felt like something we hadn't really talked about. So I wasn't even sure if I could put it on the list. And you did. You did. You messaged me, I think, yesterday um, and said, hey, can I put this on the list? Is this even a thing? Yeah. Uh, I said, yeah, let's, let's actually uh, let's talk about it. And so um, I, got, I got a couple of thoughts here just to be able to think through on something like this. I think this, I think this absolutely could be um, a thing that you could do. Um, there's certainly pros and cons with it. One of the pros is that you mentioned, um, there's a lot of events that need to, that would love to have a good MC or good host. Um, sometimes it defaults to, um, one of the top leaders of the company who they may be good in their leadership role, but have zero charisma and are not great from an MC perspective. So there are certainly opportunities. Oper uh, uh, plenty of opportunities that do exist for something like this. Um, the other thing that's an upside is you mentioned that you've got a little bit of experience doing this and you're connected with some people who've done this in some bigger venues. Um, that is super helpful because, um, one of the best ways to find events is referrals from other speakers. And so if you are connected with someone who the, they have done this before, they have some contacts in the net, in the, in the industry, here's some places where I've emceed in the past. Um, they also may be getting inquiries for MC opportunities that they just don't want to do either financially. It doesn't make sense or geographically it doesn't make sense or like they've done it for the past four years and they want someone else to come in and do it. Um, and so being able to say, Hey, you need to talk to Brian, Brian's your go-to guy and becoming someone's plan B is a really good spot to be in to get your, to, to get your foot in the door and to get rolling. Um, because especially if like with, a, with another speaker, if they've shown up and done a good job, that organization or event that's worked with that other speaker, trust them. And so if they say, I can't do it anymore, you need to talk to Brian, there's a really good chance that's going to get you hired. Um, mm -hmm. So all that on the upside, okay? On the other side, uh, on the, the, the not so positive side, um, two things come to mind. One is being an MC is very, very exhausting. Um, so let's say it's a, a two or three day conference and let's say that's, um, you know, kind of one main stage, multiple speakers throughout the whole thing. You are going to basically be there and be on all the time. Uh, I, <laughs> 
Uh, I've done, I've done emceeing once or twice and it is very tiring. Uh, I, I like doing like my one hour keynote and I'm good. I can go back to my room and I can take a nap and I can decompress. But, um, part of being an MC means that, um, you are, um, you're there introducing speakers, you're there wrapping up sessions, you're there in the hallways, you're there at meals, you know, depending on the nature of the event, but you are there. You're a, you're a central glue piece to the event. And so some people like I, me describing that as a fairly like introverted guy, I'm just like, I'm just tired thinking about that. <laughs> now, other people I talk to, um, uh, a, fr- a friend, uh, Nicole Walters, has done a lot of emceeing. And so this is something that her and I had talked about. And she's like, everything you just described, I love it. I love it. I love being the life of the party. And she has that personality, right? So some of that depends on on you of just like, um, did, is that exciting or is that exhausting, right? The other thing that the factor in is that um, being an MC, um, budgets are typically going to be a little bit more limited. And so we may be willing to bring in some big names, um, that are going to put butts in seats or that can really solve a problem. Uh, but an MC for a lot of events, they may view as a nice to have, but not a need to have or have to have. And so therefore we may not allocate as much budget that direction. doesn't mean that they don't have any budget. Um, but it also, it could mean they're like, man, I'm doing a lot of work for what they're paying me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so lots of pros and cons there. Having said all of that, what, um, what is resonating or what is that, as we go through the pros and cons, what's, what's sitting with you there? Yeah, and in fact, I listened to uh, an old podcast episode that you had with a guy named Tom Singer, I think his mm-hmm. name was. Yep. And uh, he did a great job of talking about everything that comes into it. And so much of it jived with my limited experience doing this and the ability to, to do improv and to think on your feet uh, and to, to, to know that you're there serving the audience is something that totally lines up for me. Those are all pros. In fact, I've had moments where I've come off the stage being an MC and was like kind of surprised at myself for how I handled something. But in the moment, I knew like, this is not something I normally say, but this is going to make the audience laugh or this is yeah. going to really take this up a next level. And so you just do it because you know you're there to serve the audience. So I've experienced that. I feel almost like I'm in character a little bit when I'm doing that. And I really enjoy that. He did talk about the extrovert introvert part of it and how um, sometimes a lot is required of you off the stage. And that was something that I really hadn't thought of very much. Um, I do consider myself an introvert. I am. Um, which is maybe why I kind of feel like I go into character a little bit when I'm on stage. So that, that did seem like a con. However, um, I will say that I've, the idea of, of being paid to be on for a few days, totally. um, you know, feel, I feel like if I'm there for free, um, which, you know, maybe I would have to be a little bit at the start or something, I don't know, but there's a difference to me between being paid to be on for two or three days as a host and, just doing it as a volunteer and then also trying to be on. So um, that is definitely a potential con for me. And so again, you don't have to, um, it's not that, Hey, when um, one of the things you, you touched on here is that in some ways you're, you're as a speaker, it sounds weird, but in some ways you're playing a, a character, playing a, a, a bigger version of yourself really is what it is. And so I want people to be like, Grant's the same on stage as he is off stage. You know, I don't want them to be like, he seems like one way, but then off the stage, he's just totally different. Like, I don't want that to be the case. I just know, um, for me being around people, 
um, and being on, so to speak, for long periods of time, especially over multiple days, is tiring. But I would say for I'd say for for several people they are like that. But if you recognize like, hey, that's part of it, and I'm good with that, and I just know for hey, the next 48 hours I'm all in, and that's just that's that's the gig. Um, but I'm excited about it. I know as soon as I get home I'm going to crash. It's kind of like. Um, um, it's kind of like doing a, like doing a marathon or a half marathon. Like, all right, I just, I know for the next couple hours, it's going to really suck. Um, and that's part, but I'm excited about it. Nonetheless, it's kind of that weird dichotomy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it sounds like you feel, you recognize that and feel a bit like that. I do. And you know, this is a little anecdotal, but I've had so many people in my life when I tell them that I'm an introvert, they're surprised because yeah. they've seen me on stage uh, whether it was giving announcements at church or whether whatever the thing was, I I do kind of play that character and I'm 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 loud and I'm engaging and and I can be that way with people too. Um, when you sometimes when you think introvert, you think somebody who's quiet and reluctant in every conversation. That's not me at all. I just know that I do have to. Those things can be draining for me, and I do kind of recharge when I'm by myself. Um, as that you know classic definition of introvert extrovert. Totally. But, but people are surprised. They have been surprised when they find out I'm an introvert because I think I do um, come across pretty well in some of those kind of outgoing onstage environments. Well, and you touched on several things that you feel like you're good at in terms of skill set that definitely come into play as an MC. So um, thinking on your feet, being spontaneous, improv, trying things, using humor, interacting with the audience, like you check all those boxes because you may be backstage listening to a speaker give their 45 minute talk and then you got to come out and, um, and you, the, you are the thing that's standing between the audience and going to lunch. And so you're trying to, okay, let's just recap what this speaker just said. Maybe make something, make some type of joke or point out something funny. Um, now let's give everyone directions for lunch and what needs to happen now. And as soon as I walk off stage, people are asked, may want to ask me questions of, hey, wait a minute, what time is this session? Or where is lunch? Or I'm gluten-free. What do I need to do now? Or, hey, can you connect me with that speaker who just spoke? Like you're kind of like the, the ringleader you know, yeah. which again, it is, um, it's not necessarily a good or bad thing. It's just like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to be. I want to be that, th that, that guy. I want to be that gal. I want to be, I be in that role. So, um, okay. Any other thoughts on hosting MCing? I think we covered about everything. Okay, cool. So at this point we've got, let's recap. We've got golf course owners and golf course uh, or golf industry professionals, uh, entrepreneurs looking to start a, uh, side hustle, change careers, Christian men under 40, writers and hosting MCing. Now, here's our next step is, I don't need you to make a decision at this moment. I'm going to okay. give you a minute to process it, think about it. Uh, our next call, um, we're going to, uh, we're going to, we're going to land on something. Okay? okay. So you've got some time to chew on it and think about it. And that's, again, that's part of the process here is uh, not feeling like, I have to, I have to make a decision this moment. Like you, you want to think about it. You want to chew on it. You want to let it marinate. I remember hearing a speaker say one time, things that, um, are cooked in a crock pot taste better than things that are cooked in a microwave. Hmm. So things that have been like, I don't know about you. I love grilling. Uh, so I love, um, my sister was in town a couple of weeks ago and she's like, can you make steak for me? And I enjoy making steak. I'm pretty legit at making steak. Um, mm -hmm. but I got a good marinade I need to use. And I was like, I can't, like, I can go get you a, I can go get to the store. I can get a steak. I can prepare it and we can cook it tonight and it'll be fine. But if I let it marinate, 
and you give me some time to let it marinate, it's going to be better. And so that's the point here is like, we could make a steak right now and just force to make a steak and it's okay. Or we could let this marinate and probably get a better outcome. And so that's what we want to do here. Now, having said that, um, even though next action item is going to be, let's make a decision, let's pull the trigger and start moving that direction. Talk us through, we've talked out loud on these five options, pros and cons of all of them. Any one that you're leaning more or less towards or any of them that you're just like, eh, I'm probably going to rule that one out. Um, kind of talk us through where your head's at now. So before I get my to observations, that, but I want to hear you. Right. Well, I just want to make sure, is it not an option to throw this out to Twitter right now for a Twitter poll and have them choose for me? You're telling me that's not a good idea. I'm, I'm fine with you getting there some feedback. Um, but ultimately like, um, it's kind of like, um, if you had a whole bunch of people on Twitter told you something, uh, they, they voted something, mm -hmm. but then Erica, your wife told you something, it's probably going to carry a lot more weight than yes. what a bunch of people on Twitter would say. The other thing is going to be what, um, the people that really know you best, you know, cause oftentimes if you throw something like this on Twitter, people are going to resonate with what they would like to do. Yeah. Right. So I don't think I would want to speak to that audience. Why would anyone want to speak to that audience? So I'm not selecting that, uh, even though like that could be a good option. Right. Right. Um, so I, I mean, you're more than welcome to. I, <laughs> no, I, I was mostly joking. I just, that's, uh, <laughs> that's me just looking for the cop out way to go. I would say, you seem so uncomfortable and nervous. Like I know people can't see you right now, but just your body language. Just, and I know how stressful this has been for you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, talk to us at this point, how you're feeling. Yeah, I would say that the, the hosting and emceeing one is probably the one I am most excited about, but also feels like maybe is going to require the most work, um, which may or may not be true, but um, that's what it feels like to me. I feel like the golf course professionals also is probably the one I have. The other one I have the most energy for because I love golf so much. Mm -hmm. um, but that feels like, to me, that feels like a longer grind. It feels like it's, I'm going to have to really work hard, which I'm not opposed to, but it's going to take a lot of time for me to really get my tentacles out and expand my network. Um, and having only done social media for one golf club, maybe I don't have quite the resume. It feels like that one feels like uh, a little bit of work as well. Uh, but I would say that those are the ones I have the most passion about. Um, the, the freelance thing, audience two and the, and the writer audience four, probably the least passion about those. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I guess audience three, Christian men under 40 probably is kind of in the middle for me. Um, I mentioned it to my pastor this past week. He's a good friend of mine. He's had me, you know, I'm always up on stage at church. He's had me speak a few times and I've always got good response. But he, when I told him, he didn't say to me, like, that is what you need to do. Yeah. Um, now, maybe he had something else on his mind. Maybe he just had bad <laughs> pizza. Who knows? But uh, so I don't want to read into that too much. So I would say that one's, that one's in the middle. But yeah, for me, I would say hosting and emceeing seems like the best fit for me and the thing that I think I'm most excited about with golf course professionals being right behind and they're so like completely different things which yeah. is why i'm just like how can you how can you narrow it down to two things that are so it feels like a fork in the road that's not just like slightly different path it feels like 
completely opposite paths. And so. Yes. Okay. All right. A couple thoughts come to mind here um, is yes, they are dramatically different like audiences and topics, but it's kind of like choosing between the beach and the mountains. They're both really, really good. It's mm-hmm. not like, oh man, the beach is amazing. The mountains suck. Like that's just not the case. Like you can have a great trip going to either one of them. Or like, you know, you mentioned your daughter had just, um, uh, just your oldest daughter just graduated high school. She's getting ready to start college. Um, so you've gone through the process of picking a college. You know, there's pros and cons with any of the colleges she looked at. But it's not like, oh, if you go to that college, like your life is ruined. There's no right. way you're going to have a career. You're, you're go- you can be successful going either college. So it's not, it's not like you're picking a lesser of two evils. They're both good options, you know. So it's not, it's not, I yeah. too much. That's a great way to look at it. And I think just setting up our next discussion, when I think about how different those choices are, I know I need to make one and I know I'm going to have to put a lot of work into that direction. And I guess that's the part that scares me. It's like with my personal branding, with my website, with all the hours and hours of work that I'm about to put into something, which I am 100% willing to do. What if it's the wrong path? What if it's, what if the other one was better? And I guess I, I feel like I don't have uh, decision paralysis with a lot of things in my life. In fact, I'm in the opposite way. But with this particular thing, it feels so important and it feels like such a big decision. And I, I'm worried that a month into it or 50 work hours into it, I'm going to have those doubts. And there's going to be one moment that happens where it's like, oh my gosh, look at that connection you just made. That would have been perfect if you would have chosen this other path. So that's kind of where my head's at. And it sounds kind of silly even saying it. That's what you're going to need to help me through. I totally get that. I totally understand that. That all, everything you just described totally resonates. So I think of it like this, um, about four and a half years ago, or so about five years ago, uh, our family decided to move to Nashville, right? And you and I have had this conversation and decided to move to Nashville. We lived in Missouri. We were there our entire lives. And, um, we had several friends and contacts and connections here and, and not necessarily on a whim, but somewhat decided like, Hey, let's move to Nashville. That'd be cool. So I remember we decided to make the move and we had so many people who asked us, what if you get there and you hate it? Then what? And I remember thinking like, you just moved back. <laughs> like it's not that like it's un- it's, it's inconvenient. It's not ideal. It's not preferred. It's not the end of the world. Right. Because the other thing too, is that we feel like, Oh, I haven't made any progress, but I did make progress because I determined I don't like Nashville. So that's one less place that I'm, I'm worried about. So if you went down one of these routes only to decide six months or whatever down the road, like, yeah, this is not for me. Great. We've made more progress, you know, versus feeling like you, you've wasted time. So I would say, um, in your kind of um, summary here of here's the five scenarios, the hosting and the golf were the ones that you seem most excited about. Uh, I could definitely, it feels much more clear and concrete versus the others felt a little squishy and vague. Um, so I, 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 think, uh, I think you're on the right track here. So to put a bow on this next step is um, I want you to have like 95% of the decision made. Um, and what we can do then is, um, pull the trigger on something and talk about next steps from there. Um, when we record next is then we will, um, uh, we'll kind of talk through some of the stuff and make the call and go from there. Okay. So are you, do you want me to try to get to that 95% figure without any input from you? Um, yes. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As best as possible. Cause I'll be the last 5% on the next recording here and we're still okay. recording this. So uh, anyone, everyone's like, wait, are they still, yeah, we're still here. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is why, cause I'm, I don't want to prep anything here. Um, cause here's the thing again, <clears throat> I could flip a coin right now and either option would be fine and you'd still second guess yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so honestly, I don't think you can go wrong with either of them. Both of them could work and there's pros and cons with both of them. So what I want you to think through is, <clears throat> um, uh, okay, here's, here are these big pros and cons. If you need to make a pros and cons list, do that. Um, and I also think that, um, there's something to be said for, remember this isn't permanent. So one thing we could try, I'm generally not a fan of mm-hmm. a scenario like this, like, um, without going too far down the rabbit hole, what if um, you tried to book one of each? I try to do it. I'm not making a video. I'm not making a website quite yet. I'm just trying to book uh, an MC opportunity and I'm trying to book some type of thing to <clears throat> speak at a, a golf industry event. And let's compare notes. So that could be something as well that we, we consider. Okay, let me ask you this one last question. I'm sure the, the listeners are thinking this too. If, if what I just told you, all that stuff was a presentation to the board members of Brian Elaine Incorporated, and you were on that board, and then it came around to you and said, Grant, do you have an opinion on what path Brian w- would pursue? I'm nope. not asking you to share what that opinion is, but do you have a leaning or an idea? I, I don't, honestly, um, I would have picked one of these two that we've got. Um, okay. Is there a lot more clear and concrete than the other three? Um, so again, this is where like... Um, um, speaking to golf course owners and golf industry professionals uh, with a real problem that you can solve for them. We know where they gather. We know what their challenge is. Um, so it's very clear and, and, and crystallized there. Uh, and the same way that hosting and seeing, okay, we know exactly what that would look like. We know exactly who to contact. We know exactly what our next steps are. If you said, Hey, here, what I'm kind of leaning toward is I want to be a motivational speaker for, um, for men, you know, you're just like, Ugh. Uh, who's that? Where are those yeah. people gathering? Like that, that's just very hard um, to know what to do next. But either one of these two hosting MCing, I would, I'd happily flip a coin and we could make either of them work. Right. Um, but again, some of it comes down to what are you passionate about? What do you feel like you've got some connections with? Um, and it sounds like you could go either way and, and do fine. All right. I'm, I'm ready to do some more homework. Feel good. Yes. I feel good. All right, man. Nice job. All right. Thanks. All right. There you go. Hope you enjoyed part two with Brian Elaine. Like I said, this is going to be an eight part series. So we are a fourth of the way there. Make sure you stick around for the next six weeks. We have great, great, great series. Uh, and I'm so excited about this. So I think you're really going to enjoy it. You're going to learn a lot from it and you're probably going to hear some of the same uh, doubts and insecurities, fears, worries, and anxiety that maybe you're experiencing as a speaker at, uh, at, at a, uh, maybe at a similar spot or a different spot of your own career. So uh, lots to get to here in the uh, coming weeks. and and Brian's story. So make sure you join us and subscribe so you don't miss a single one of these episodes. Also, like I mentioned before, if you are interested in in working with uh, myself and our team at the Speaker Lab to help you build and grow your own speaking business, then I would encourage you to go to thespeakerlab.com slash apply. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash apply. There you can schedule a call, a one-on-one call with our team where we can learn more about you, what your goals are for speaking, and how we can best serve and support you. So again, you can go to thespeakerlab.com slash apply. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you being with us. We'll uh, catch you next week for part three of the series. You're awesome.